0: Welcome back to Center Ice. I'm Matthew Maynard. It has been far too long for both Mac and I. I'm in the studio today, and Mac is on the other end of the continent in Utah. Mac, how are you doing?
1: Doing well. And enjoying the playoffs, even though my Leafs are out. But that's another story. Oh Well, um, we'll get
0: into that. The weather
1: here is beautiful. Uh, I don't miss that brutal winter that we Experienced. Uh, I can't <laughs> believe how long that went on.
0: Well, it's it still, seems
1: like it's finally over now well, it's in Ottawa. Still
0: kind of going on. It's not too cold out today, but man, is it pouring rain today. We've got a state of emergency going on in Ottawa right now, really, because of flooding. Wow. Yeah, it's been the worst oh, right. flooding yeah, in a long, okay. long time. Gatineau in particular has been hit really hard and. To anyone listening in the Ottawa area, if you're dealing with the flooding, our thoughts are obviously with you. If you can volunteer to go help fill sandbags, please do so. It's not a hard thing to do. You get out, you help the community, especially at this time with the flooding that's been going on. But let's get into the hockey because there has been a lot that has happened since our last episode way back in November. Now, the way we're going to structure this is we're actually going to do two episodes. We're going to start off talking about the playoffs because with what happened in round one, we can we have to dedicate a whole episode to round one. And then later on sometime next week, we'll come back for our second return episode and we'll recap every team that missed the playoffs because there was a lot that happened this season, eh, Mac?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been really a, a fun season for hockey fans, I think. There's been a lot of unpredictable things that have happened. There have been some guys like Robin Leonard, Peter Mrazek, that have had really great seasons that nobody really thought would. And then, of course, you've got the, the playoff storylines, the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, arguably the most stacked teams on paper can't get it done, get eliminated round one. So there's definitely a lot going on. But for me, um, I, I enjoy the playoffs a lot. But my favorite time as just someone who follows hockey is the off season Because I think especially this offseason, there's a lot of teams that are really looking to make something happen, whether that's trades at the draft, free agents, big-name players are going to be available because I think what you're seeing is there's a lot of teams that aren't that far away from being in contention. And you saw this year the Islanders, the Hurricanes, the Blue Jackets. These are teams that finally made that leap into being a serious contender.
0: Yeah, and most of the teams that are on the outside looking, in, especially teams like Montreal in particular, are only a few pieces away from really making some noise in the playoffs. And teams like the Rangers as well. Of course, the Rangers certainly got help with the draft lottery this year, moving way up to pick in the second, picking the second pick, which will certainly help them. And it's going to be a very active offseason. You and I have talked over uh, Facebook a bit, quite a bit between now and our last episode. And we both agree that this offseason— compared to last offseason, is going to be a lot more active.
1: Yeah, because you just you have a lot of teams that, for example, the Florida Panthers, it seems like they're finally serious about contending. They hired, of course, Joel Quenville, who, to be honest, I was a little surprised he accepted that job.
0: Well, especially but since did, Philly was offering more money. And between where Philly is... So he, And Florida.
1: You must see something with that Florida team. But you're right. like uh, Philly and Florida. I mean, Philly's definitely the better team. Are they better by that much? I don't think so. You know, you and I have both been kind of interested in Florida. And let's just say they left us with a little fool's gold at the end of last season. And they came into this season. And I don't even know how to describe what happened. But... One thing's for sure, Matt. They need a goalie. Oh, certainly. They absolutely need a goalie. (laughs) That is priority number one.
0: No 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 disrespect to Roberto Luongo, but he's up there in age, and he's not the goalie he once was when he was originally with the Florida Panthers, and particularly with the Vancouver Canucks when he was just lights out. Florida, their number one concern certainly coming into this offseason will be goaltending. And, of course, there are some goaltenders that are going to be on the market this offseason, most notably Sergei Bobrovsky, who still hasn't signed with Columbus. Now, of course, with Columbus going on a bit of a playoff run here and finally making it to the second round, it may persuade some of the the big-name free agents in Columbus to re-sign there.
1: Yeah, that's the other factor. And not only that, you have the Columbus Blue Jackets as a suitor for Bobrovsky, But there's plenty of other teams that have interest in him, for sure. I mean, I I don't think Calgary is sold on either Mike Smith or David Rich. There are a number of teams out there that could upgrade their goaltending position by signing Bobrovsky. So he certainly is going to have his share of suitors. It's just... Personally, I I kind of hope he stays in Columbus because that's what everybody doesn't think he's going to do. And, you know, ride it out with this team. This is a really good Columbus team, and they're only getting better.
0: They certainly are, especially now that Matt Duchesne has found his footing in Columbus. I knew... It was going to take some time. I remember when Matt Duchesne came to Ottawa a couple of seasons ago, he started off quite slow, but by the time January rolled around, a couple months later, he really found his footing and he had a really good second half of the season. And that's what we're seeing now with Duchesne in Columbus. And he's peaking at the precise time they need him to in Columbus. Unfortunately for the Blue Jackets, they just fell short against the Bruins last night, but they played a good game. Sergei Bobrovsky, for the most part, looked quite good, and the forwards are playing well as well. Of course, the Bruins squeaked that one out, and the one edge I'll give the Bruins in that series, of course, is their physical play. We saw that against the Maple Leafs, and that's the one area where the Bruins really took out the Maple Leafs, not discounting how the Leafs played physically, because they did better than I thought they would physically.
1: Yeah, I. that is part of it, but to me, they just they played smarter than the Leafs. They they played better as a team overall. Toronto was outcoached by Boston, and they got some key contributions from the third and fourth line. Charlie Coyle has been an excellent pickup in the playoffs so far for the Boston Bruins. And Tuka Rask, although he was inconsistent, he showed up when they needed him. He showed up in that game when Toronto could have closed the series out. And then, of course, he had a very good Game 7. And you could tell by about the third period, the Leafs were very frustrated, and it was going to be almost insurmountable for them to come back. And it was.
0: Oh, certainly. In my opinion, the Leafs didn't lose that series. They beat themselves. Because Mm -hmm. after Game 1... That was probably the best I've seen the Maple Leafs play all season, and I've seen them play a fair bit this season. And when they came out in Game 1, and they just, I wouldn't say dominate, but they really took it to Boston. They they really shut down the top line. They didn't give them many chances. Frederick Anderson was looking great. The forwards were looking great. Everyone was contributing. And you and I talked after Game 1. You and I both agreed. If the Leafs keep playing that way, there's nothing stopping them. Unfortunately. Yeah,
1: and that's exactly, and that's, like you said, that's their problem. They need to find some kind of consistency in the way they play because if you look at their season this year, first of all, by the time the first half was over, they almost certainly had a playoff spot locked up, right? If you look at their second half, they were very inconsistent. At times, I didn't want to watch them because they weren't even trying because they knew they were making the playoffs, certain players. Like for me, Patrick Marlowe has gone from being a solid third-line player to a guy you probably, probably don't even want at that salary on your fourth line. He's had chances and opportunities. He continues to miss the net. He has trouble keeping up with all the fast players in today's league. And I mean, remember he's over 40 years old and he's not a Yarm Yager where he's a, a big he body. Wondered. He's, he's about, you know, six 200. He's not a huge guy. So, I mean, I wasn't really surprised. I was, I was very happy with game one, but I knew from watching this Leafs team all season that they, They'll turn in a game like that every now and then. And you say, oh man, if they can just keep playing like this. Well, they didn't. And they were just up and down the whole series. And they may have played as well or better than Boston. But like you said, they beat themselves. Too many turnovers, too many penalties, too many mistakes that you can't make in the playoffs against a very good Boston team.
0: When a very experienced Boston team at that, they've played this Maple Leafs team three times in the past five years now and i know there's always some turnover but jen for the most part the core of boston has been there for a while now and they know how to beat the maple leafs
1: yeah yeah they definitely have their number and i i'm i was not surprised like i said as soon as the playoffs started Basically, I knew that if the Leafs played similar to Boston and didn't make many mistakes, that they could win this series. But as someone who's been a Leafs fan my whole life and a skeptical one at that, I knew that the Boston Bruins were going to be a really, really tough team for the Leafs to beat. And you saw that first game against Columbus. They won by a goal, but for the most part, they controlled that game despite taking the Toronto series to seven games.
0: Half of the battle for me was the mental battle for the Leafs going into that series, especially after last year where they were up 3-1, Boston comes back, wins that series in seven. Of course, the uh, they were up 4-1 with 10 minutes to go. Even though there's not a whole lot of players from that game still on the Maple Leafs, it still has to linger in their head that that happened. They had the game in the bag that w- in 2013 and then they had this—I wouldn't say had the series in the bag, but they really had a great opportunity there, and it went away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's no excuses. They should have closed that series out on home ice. They could have done it, and they failed to do it. And then you give a Boston team, a veteran Boston team, momentum on home ice to win the series, and they do just that.
0: I absolutely love what Don Cherry had to say. In Coach's Corner, during that Game 7 on the first intermission, of course, you're on the NBC feed, so you don't get Dauntless Cherry. But what he said, and it's very true, the Leafs lost this series in Game 6 because they had all the momentum. They had a pretty good Game 5. They were coming back home. The home crowd was was roaring. They were ready to go. And then until the final five ten minutes of that game, the Leafs played a bit of a stinker, if you ask me.
1: Yeah. I mean there's no question about that. And we'll we'll talk more about the Leafs later on, but I mean this is the problem with this Leafs team that has been a problem for as long as I can remember, even when they've had a good roster. I do think that in the offseason Kyle Dubas is going to be making some big changes. And I think if you're Dubas, you have to look at all these teams, look at Boston, look at St. Louis. And look at what they've done with their payroll. Do they have three guys making $10 million? No, they don't. Do they have a team that looks absolutely stacked on paper? No. Do they have good defensive systems, a good coach, players that play for each other, and you know a good mix of guys, and they're under the salary cap?
0: Yes. And that's almost so, a common factor between all the final eight teams of course there are some exceptions san jose colorado but for the most part especially in the east you, you look at the players they are playing for each other and you can tell especially on teams like the blue jackets and particularly the hurricanes I'll admit i've kind of jumped on the hurricanes bandwagon as well
1: oh the hurricanes have been just an amazing story this year You and I touched on them early in the season as a potential playoff threat, and they had a good start to the season. Remember, they had a really lousy kind of middle of the season, and then they really turned it on. They made it to the playoffs. They beat out Montreal, and credit to them. You know what I think? I think every head coach that had their team not make the playoffs needs to really look at, A, the New York Islanders, and be the Carolina Hurricanes, and look at the coaching job that Barry Trotz and Rod Brendamore have done, because not only are the, is the team playing hard, but the players are having fun. And to play hard, to play for each other, and to have fun, I mean, there's not much better for those players than that. Especially, you look at that Carolina roster, which, you look at the roster, it's not great like they have they have some good players but if you look at it on paper it's absolutely not a stacked roster no they it is Play isn't. well defensively and like i said they play for each other and they have fun the the post-game celebrations are awesome i love
0: it well so do i i and they embrace it too remember when don sherry back a couple months ago called them a bunch of jerks they embraced that and ran with it They're a team that rallies around one another. And even if they're not perennial all-stars like Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon, these guys play for one another. When Peter Mrazek makes a big save, they all make a big save. When they score a goal to win it overtime, especially in that game seven, when they scored that goal to win it, you could just see the utter elation, the excitement that we've just knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champions after being down 2-0. We can do anything. Yeah, and
1: not only that, that's a team that has a lot of character. Not necessarily a lot of star power, but they have character. They play hard. They don't always win. But they, they will play you to the last whistle. And they almost never let up, especially in that Washington series. If you guys did not think that Carolina was a legitimate playoff threat, Look at how they played against the defending Stanley Cup champions.
0: And that's, they basically
1: outplayed them the entire series.
0: And that's not a. And it wasn't that close. No, and that's not a bad Washington team either. Of course, you've got Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Carlson, Holtby, the li- TJ Oshie for a few games. The list goes on. The Capitals coming into the playoffs. A lot of people thought they have a good shot at repeating here. And now yeah, the hurricane's no, coming. I
1: was I was pretty certain that this was a team that could definitely go far as long as they played like they did last year. And to be honest, they really didn't. They were they were kind of a shadow of themselves last year. And I think losing TJ Oshie is a big part of that. He's a he's a really well respected guy on that team. Clearly he makes a difference every time he steps on the ice. And I, I just think A little tentative from the Capitals. You know, the big guys were getting it done, like Ovechkin, of course. Not a whole lot of secondary scoring. And, I mean, you have to wonder next year. They're probably still a playoff team. I don't see why they're not. But I wonder if they'll look a little different next year.
0: I think they will look a little different. Of course, there's always a bit of rotation season through season. I don't know if there's going to be any big moves just yet. Of course, they took the Hurricanes to seven games, and of course, I think winning the Stanley Cup last year will still hide a few of their problems. Generally, when a team wins the Stanley Cup, I notice that teams tend not to make any big moves for a couple years unless they miss the playoffs. So,
1: well, yeah, I mean, they would if they were to make a move. They would need to move one of the bigger guys, and that I don't think that's very likely.
0: No, it's but not- we'll see.
1: I mean, we'll see. You never know, right?
0: Well, hey, yeah, you never know. What what
1: what if someone gives them some kind of offer they absolutely love for Nicholas Backstrom? What? Well, you know, like oh, you, yeah, yeah. you never know.
0: You never know. Let's move on to the big story of round 1. Of course, we had the Tampa Bay Lightning, 62 Win Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, I didn't think the Lightning would sweep the Blue Jackets. But I had the Lightning winning. I had them winning in six. Because I knew I, I knew the potential of this Blue Jackets team was quite good, and they were coming in hot. But did you have Columbus winning this f- series against Tampa? I don't think many people did.
1: Um, I did not. Although I will say that I think you and I were both skeptical of Tampa Bay from the outset. Well, you Uh, and I have been in this team really win a cup and we both, we kind of just thought, I don't know, I, as good as they are and as stacked as they are and as great a season as they had, I don't, I still don't know if they can win a Stanley cup. And uh, to be honest, no, no one expected them to get swept. No one expected them to get dominated the way they did by Columbus of all teams. And to me that's an embarrassment. I mean, you come in as the number 1 seed in the league. Almost everyone has you picked to win the Stanley Cup. And really outside of the first period of game 1, they got absolutely leveled by Columbus.
0: Well, they did. And didn't. it
1: wasn't even close.
0: It wasn't even close. Their star their uh, star players were certainly MIA for all that series. Steven Stamkos didn't get a goal till game 7. Yeah. Sorry, game four. Game four. Didn't even get. Didn't even get past game four games. When Kucherov,
1: <laughs> Kucherov. got frustrated I mean, real quick, and he and, got that suspension.
0: I. I'm, and you could
1: just tell a few games in. Man, it is knew it going to be really hard for Tampa Bay to come back from this. And then game four, it wasn't even close. It's almost as if they had given up before the puck dropped.
0: It is almost as though they given up. But that Columbus team, once they came back. From that 3-0 deficit in Game 1, you could see they were doing something special. Game 1 wasn't a fluke. At least the back two-thirds of Game 1 wasn't a fluke for the Blue Jackets. They weren't going down without a fight. And, of course, having a guy like John Tortorella behind the bench is going to get you fired up. Say what you want about John Tortorella, but he gets results at the end of the day. He gets his players to play for him. You have to have a certain type of player to really like playing under John Tortorella, but he seems to have the perfect mix of players right now. He's got his star players that he can use, but he's also got some good depth players in there too.
1: Yeah, and uh, moving on about the Blue Jackets, I, I don't think their performance in Game 1 is that much to worry about because they've been on an extended layoff, and there's only so much they can do to prepare For a game when Boston has played, you know, the night before and they're ready to go, even if they're a little bit tired and Boston is on home ice, I expect them to come back much stronger in game two and look for an early start from the Blue Jackets, because if they had a better start to last night's game. I think they probably could have pulled that one out.
0: Well, I didn't get to tune in until the third period because I was uh, doing stuff last night. But by the third period, they were looking quite good. Of course, they uh, had the lead for a short time. But Boston, of course, with all their experience in the playoffs, they come back, they tie the game, and then it didn't take long to get into overtime for them to win it. But Columbus did show us at points in Game 1 last night what they can do against Boston.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a really close series and fun to watch because these are two of the, the better teams left, in my opinion, despite the seeds being so different. And I think it's going to be very close. I think every game is probably a one-goal game unless one team really figures out the other and starts to dominate. But I don't see that happening. And the big thing with Columbus that you can count on is Sergei Bobrovsky. He has been fantastic these playoffs.
0: Everyone always says when the playoffs start, it's a new season. And this year in particular, is that phrase not more accurate than it ever has been? All the wildcard teams won this year. Mm -hmm. And you know what the amazing thing is? I'm looking on the bracket challenge right now to see if anyone predicted that. And there are people that predicted all the wildcard teams to win. People still have a perfect bracket. My March Madness bracket lasted longer than my Stanley Cup playoffs bracket this year. If that's telling you something.
1: Yeah, just really unpredictable. I actually saw that they, they put out a new bracket challenge <laughs> for the second round because so many brackets got destroyed. Something like 85% of brackets were busted. So they they put out a new sponsored bracket challenge on NHL.com for uh, the remaining rounds. <laughs>
0: well, doesn't that kind of ruin the fun of the bracket challenge almost? It, it does, right? <laughs> because the whole, the whole point is you're supposed to predict it before it starts, and now now you only have to predict eight teams instead of sixteen. Right. Which still, is, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. It's still a tough. It's still a tough
1: one to predict. I mean,
0: this is a wide a open. A lot of these playoffs. series
1: are so close. Like even last night, um, the Dallas and the Blues game, very very close game, could have easily gone to overtime, but ultimately the Blues won that one, um, three to two.
0: Why well, had the? And
1: I, I think the Islanders and Carolina. As close as it gets, those two teams are very similar. Um, we mentioned Boston and Columbus, and then of course in the West you got San Jose, Colorado. Colorado showed that they're for real, basically just owning the Flames in that first round. And the Sharks had a much tougher series against Vegas. Eventually they came back.
0: Well, we'll get into that in a minute. Four straight. Of course, but- three straight. Sorry. Well, we'll get into that San Jose-Vegas series in a moment, but let's go to the Calgary-Colorado series for a minute because I know a lot of Flames fans, a lot of my family's from out west, and they aren't very happy. They're they're still a little bit shell-shocked, if I'm being honest, because the Flames had a really good season, and I predicted them to win that series. The Flames fan and me had them winning that, but in the back of my mind when I made that pick, I had a feeling Colorado is better than what their record indicates. You and I both know this. Remember this, the sizzling start they got off to? In our last episode back in November, you and I were just phrasing the Avalanche nonstop because they were unbeatable back at the start of the season. And then they went into a bit of a lull in the middle part of the season and found themselves on the outside looking in. But... At the right time, everybody got hot. Of course, Nathan McKinnon Ryan Everybody's been light out for the Colorado Avalanche right now.
1: Yeah, it, actually, if you look back at their season, it is almost identical to what the Carolina Hurricanes did. Hot start, bit of a lull in the middle of the season, fell out of the playoff picture. People started to doubt them a little bit, wonder if, there's going to be any trades at the trade deadline, etc. I think the one discussion about those teams was how are the goalies going to hold up, and then eventually they figured it out. They got hot down the stretch. They beat out the Coyotes. They beat out the Wild. <laughs> so much for our bet, by the way.
0: Oh well. Me? Did I technically? <laughs> so what, didn't we I? We both th-
1: lose, right?
0: Or. I mean, technically, I, no losers. <laughs> I, I'm a bit less of a loser than you just because the Coyotes were a bit closer, but, the, and we'll get into the Coyotes in our season recap episode, but they just, they struggled at the wrong time and they avalanche new too that, many
1: injuries. Well, yeah. Just well, of course the injuries didn't Rick Talkett did everything he could to get that team to the playoffs, but it was almost impossible. And down the stretch, when you've got teams with much better rosters than you fighting for playoff spots, and you your guys go up against their superstars, it's, it's really tough to get past those teams. And unfortunately, they fell a little bit short.
0: Definitely a lot of
1: hope for them next year.
0: Oh, certainly. Well, the Avalanche, I had a feeling they were going to do well. And I was right. The thing with the uh, Flames... And it was always in the back of my mind. is last time, and pretty much the last couple of times, the Flames have made the playoffs. Of course, every year on paper, you look at their roster. You look at guys like Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan, Matthew Kachuk. And Mike Smith was pretty solid down the stretch for the Calgary Flames, especially in Game 1. You look at that roster, do you think, okay, it's probably not a Stanley Cup champion roster, but it's certainly one that can make some noise in the playoffs. And with, aside from Game 1, the Flames really didn't do anything. Johnny Goudreau was certainly MIA, especially in that Game 5. He had two breakaways. He missed the penalty shot, and he shot it wide on a breakaway. Clean wide in the net, not even close. Of course, uh, Philip Grubauer's got to be happy about that. Doesn't have to make the breakaway save, but... If you're Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau even if you're gassed you got to at least get that on net and get an offensive zone face off. It's just it's the missed opportunities that the Flames had in that Colorado Calgary series, the players that didn't show up, the defense that made brutal turnovers at brutal times. It's very similar to what the Leafs did. The the Flames beat themselves not discounting anything from what the Avalanche did in the first round because, of course, they played very well. But the Flames did not play well at all.
1: Yeah, and you, you mentioned how their star players just were not playing like they did in the regular season, were not playing how you would expect them to. And that is one of the most critical parts of the playoffs. You need your best players to be your best players because that certainly happened with Colorado, But like you mentioned, Johnny Gaudreau really struggled. He looked flustered, kind of rattled throughout the series. I did not see much of Matthew Kachuk. Uh, The Avalanche really challenged the Flames with their speed. And like you mentioned, some brutal defensive plays, turnovers, when you absolutely can't have them. And, I mean, you look up and down the lineup. Not only was it that top line, but... I did not notice much of Lindholm. They brought him in to score goals especially. I didn't into see much of Hannafin.
0: He didn't Hannafin Hannafin was that very well.
1: quiet. Uh, Giordano was ice solid cold. but not super noticeable and well, he was ice and, cold. And on basically these. the only thing keeping them in the series was Mike Smith. Yeah, And I love Mike Smith, but he's a little bit of a flop fish. Sometimes mm. he doesn't know where the puck is going and he just kind of throws his body at it and hopes it hits it. And he, trust me, he's athletic,
0: and he, he made some outstanding saves, but he was flopping all over the place, Matt. <laughs> he was, but it's funny. <laughs> Mike Smith was the reason I thought the Flames would be eliminated, not the reason why they didn't get swept. Right. Because even in Game 1, the Avalanche were playing quite well. It's just It was the one game where the Calgary Flames' stars actually showed up, and they won. But Colorado rightly deserves to move on. They they deserved everything that they got. They played quite well. Their stars are showing up at the right time. This is a very dangerous team heading into the second round against the Sharks. So let's move on. Let's move on down the bracket. We got to talk about Vegas-San Jose because what a series that was. That was probably my favorite series except the uh, Hurricanes and Capitals in round one. That was a fantastic series.
1: Yeah, very, very evenly matched. Uh, I think definitely Vegas gets the edge with goaltending. San Jose, much better defensively, and just they just had a better D-corps. And you could tell, last year, Nate Schmidt was having an outstanding season this year. Obviously, he had that 20-game suspension. Uh, was not really his normal self this year. Shea Theodore... Very good defenseman. But you look past that on that Vegas D, it's not that impressive. And I think the depth of San Jose ultimately got it done here. Obviously, Martin Jones finally played well those last three games. And San Jose moves on. But the thing about that San Jose team that I don't think people realize is they have a ridiculous amount of depth. Joe Thornton is in their bottom six. They have five, six, seven guys who can put the puck in the net just like that.
0: To me, Joe Thornton, when I watched that series, he's a guy that as long as you play him on limited minutes nowadays, he can, he's still a presence out there. You saw, I especially saw him in that Game 7 overtime. He was out there. He was working hard. And ultimately, the hard work pays off and they move on. Of course, we can't Pass this series and move on to the next one without talking about the call. The in mm. game game seven off the face off, the cross checking to Joe Pavelski. What are your thoughts on that, Mac?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's a tough situation to really get angry at the official for because remember he's making this call at game speed based on what he sees in that moment and that's it and that's all that matters. So he made the call based on what he saw, and, and what I wish they kind of did, uh, the broadcasters was show us the ref cam. You know how during the regular season they would have a GoPro on and oh, they'd yeah. show us a ref cam. Oh yeah, I can. If I can- we could see, if us as the viewers could see that from the ref's point of view, we would totally get why he made that call. But more importantly, this is something that kind of needed to happen for the nhl's sake because now you're going to get this brought up at the board of governor meetings the vegas owner has already said he is going to bring this up and the nhl has taken appropriate steps to not allow the officials that called that game to call any remaining stanley cup games but really if you have just a two-minute review gather the refs look at a screen, look at the call, get it right. What's the big deal? You can play some arena music while everyone else is waiting for this call to happen. And if the correct call is made, Vegas probably wins that game because all the momentum, as soon as that first goal was scored on that power play, you could tell something was about to happen. And credit the Sharks. Man, despite – the bad call, they really took it to them the rest of the game. And Martin Jones was as good as I've seen him in a, in a long time in that game.
0: Well, certainly, the call, in my opinion, I completely agree with you. I think that there does need to be some sort of review, not for every penalty, because that just opens Pandora's box and it would just become a mess. But for things like a five-minute major or puck over the glass, I think that should be something you can review. How many times have we seen five-minute majors where, at first, it looks quite nasty, but then you go back and you look at the replay a couple of times and you think, yes, it's a penalty, but it's not a five-minute game misconduct. And I think that's certainly something that the NHL is going to look into this offseason. But as as much as the call was bad, there still has to be some blame on Vegas there. Yes, you're on an extended penalty kill, but you give up four goals in four minutes Credit the San Jose Sharks power play units, but allowing those four goals in four minutes, that penalty kill was just brutal.
1: Yeah, and, and not not to add to their list of excuses, but their two top penalty killers were not playing in that game. Both were out with injury.
0: Well, it's true. So that
1: doesn't help either, but, but you're right. At the end of the day, they did allow several goals on that power play, and... Despite a bad call, you can't just hinge your hopes on a call and say, that's why we lost the game. Because it's not. If you dig in on that penalty kill, I know you don't have your best guys available, especially Belmar. You can probably pull that game out, honestly. You had a healthy lead, protect it. And I think Vegas last year... In your opinion, Vegas last year, would they have won that game?
0: I think they would have. I think they had a...
1: Yeah, I agree. This This year, they have been very up and down. And that's just another example. The penalty killing has not been nearly as good. They have had streaks of playing very well as a team and very poorly as a team. Much like some of the other teams that got knocked out the first round, like the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, like... I think one thing that a lot of teams are zeroing in on, especially the teams that did not make the playoffs this year, take the regular season a little more seriously, not because you need to win every game, but because you need to build momentum to get going in the playoffs. And this is why the wild card teams are playing so well because they were fighting for their playoff lives. They've been playing playoff hockey for the last month. They were
0: ready to go. So they're ready to go. Yeah. One last note on the Vegas-San Jose series before we move on is it's interesting how that series ended from a Senators fan perspective because Mark Stone had the puck picked off by Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson comes in and assists on the game-winning goal. Interesting how that all comes back around, huh? But Mark Stone... We'll talk more on that in our off-season episodes. But Mark Stone is Mark Stone
1: is fantastic. He's a beast. He he was absolutely special for Vegas in the playoffs. And, you know, he's going to be a really good player for them for a long time. Now the challenge is uh, I think you need to tweak that roster a little bit. Maybe move around some salary.
0: It's still a solid Um, roster in my opinion.
1: You do have Cody Glass coming up. And he's a really good player, one of the top prospects in the league. But, yeah, they're still they're still a playoff team, absolutely, in my opinion. But I think Gerard Gallant needs to look back and say, how can we get back to how we played you last won. season? You know?
0: Well, Vegas certainly, it's frustrating how the season ended, but they still had a fairly solid season. So let's move on to the next wild card upset, Nashville versus Dallas. Because...
1: Oh, and, Nashville.
0: And in my opinion, that wasn't as much of an upset. Because Nashville, in my opinion, was kind of limping into the playoffs, if you ask me. And they they yeah. never really got it going in the playoffs. You you mentioned how the wildcard teams had been playing for their playoff lives for the past month. It certainly showed in this series. Dallas was ready to go. They knew what they had yeah. to do to beat... Nashville you can tell they look they've studied the tapes they knew where Nashville was weak and they exploited it all series long
1: they did this is a different Dallas team this team is much more structured defensively they still have the same scores they did adding Matt Zuccarello was really nice and Miro Heiskinen is an incredible defense oh he's in his just
0: incredible year. he yeah uh, he was really noticeable in that game six he was all over the puck. He was noticeable all season. He was really, really good on the back end for Dallas. He was he was what they needed to solidify that back end. But of course, Ben Bishop's... Of course, you and I had our questions last time we talked in November. We had our questions about Ben Bishop. Let's not kid ourselves just, here. Just because we
1: had our questions about his health, not his ability. Oh, right? yeah.
0: His ability was good. It was a question of whether he can stay healthy. And now... Mm-hmm. That he's been healthy. And Dallas, among all the teams, has been pretty healthy for the most part. I would say so, yeah. As teams go, especially this, as you get later into the playoffs, they've been relatively healthy. And Ben Bishop has found his old form again, which is fantastic. Not only because I, I'm a big fan of Ben Bishop, but it's also great for the Dallas Stars because...
1: Uh, former Ottawa Senator Ben Bishop.
0: Well, yeah. When former Lightning But well, I always like Ben Bishop. I I was in the group at the time. I'll admit that between trading Craig Anderson and Ben Bishop, I wanted Ben Bishop.
1: Yeah, I mean you you don't see too many giant goalies that often with that kind of ability. But I wanna go back with Nashville. Go back to the trade deadline. Remember they they had two options. They could add kind of some subtle pieces and stick with what they have and hope that they can make a big run, or they could really go all in and go all for it. And they went all in, and I don't really know why, because if you're going all in, why aren't you going after Mark Stone? Why aren't you going after the premier guys available? Why didn't you get Zuccarello? You know why are you trading for Mikhail Granlund, Brian Boyle, and uh, who's the other guy they traded for, Matt?
0: Uh, I know who you're.
1: Granlund, t- Boyle, and it eludes
0: me. Anyway, <laughs>
1: anyway, the the point is, he made a choice. He felt his team was ready to compete for a Stanley Cup. You can't really blame him, and largely, Granlund, Boyle. And the acquisitions have been very quiet. Granlund, I barely noticed him in the series.
0: And Man, I all, didn't see
1: him You, much. you know, he was uh, banged up a little bit, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, it's another season for the Predators where they just kind of, they get there. They look really good. Everybody says they're going to be a tough out. And I think teams can really embrace playing the Predators because as long as you can outplay them, get your chances on Pekka Rene. Rene was spectacular in that series, by the way. Oh,
0: yeah, he was. He proved. But, if,
1: but if the Predators can't score goals consistently, again, that's been an issue all season, then how are they going to win in the playoffs? And that's, that's exactly what happened. I mean, Bishop played as well as Rene, and Dallas outscored
0: them. That's ultimately what it, it, what it was. Let's move on to the final Western series. Winnipeg out against St. Louis. This was one that I actually predicted. I didn't think Winnipeg could beat St. Louis. St. Louis was coming into the playoffs as the hottest team in the NHL, and they really took it to Winnipeg. They scored clutch goals when they needed to. They, they just played the smarter hockey and I think they wanted it more, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, uh, I I agree with you on that one. I I just to me Winnipeg was good, but another team that even though you know when they're at their best they can win it all. To me, they were not at their best consistently throughout the series, and especially in goal when you compare Hellbuck to Bennington, there's no comparison. Binnington played well, but Binnington was, was lights just out. out of this world. Yeah,
0: especially in those first two games, he was just lights out all game. Where Winnipeg lost the series to me was Wayne
1: the- Simmons. Sorry, it was Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Yes, that was the other guy they acquired. Again, didn't do much for them. No, continue.
0: But to me, where Winnipeg lost that series was Game Five at home. It was two-two, and yeah, you can argue the goaltender interference call. There, but at the end of the day, you gave up a goal to Schwartz with 15 seconds left,
1: and yeah, you. Yeah, that that was tough to watch, especially like you said, especially on home ice. Could like, not get much worse than that.
0: And that was the killer for me. That was the dagger in the heart of the Winnipeg yeah, Jets. Yeah, you
1: you you could feel just the series momentum was. One hundred percent St. Louis. I think now you could feel you could feel the deflation in the Jets and the crowd in I, the next game.
0: I think if Schwartz doesn't score that goal, even if the Blues win in overtime, this could have easily gone to seven games. Because Winnipeg still had some confidence that yeah, we can go in the St. Louis, we've played well there, we can win, we can come home and we can win in front of our home crowd. We know how to do that. But once you give up that Goal with 15 seconds left. The Blues were all over them for a good two, three minutes before that goal. It goes in just deflating. That's a killer for the win. Yeah, they
1: sat back. They sat back a little too much. And if they kept attacking, they probably would have secured that win. Maybe the series is different. But instead, they tried to protect the lead by playing passive. That almost never works in the playoffs, and it didn't there. It's a tough way for them to end. But remember, this is still a very, very good team.
0: It's going to be interesting to see what happens this offseason with with the cap situation with Winnipeg.
1: It it is because they're they're nearly maxed out. They have a very good roster. But I think, again, all these GMs of these big stack teams need to take a look at the teams around them and reconsider where they're spending their money and how they're building their team.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Of course, you and I will get into the off season more at another time, but we—excuse me—we've got one more series to cover, and then we'll, we'll quickly touch on what our predictions are for round two, and we'll wrap it up. So, Carolina—sorry. Well, we talked about Carolina, Carolina and New York in round two. But let's talk about the Islanders sweeping the Pittsburgh Penguins. I,
1: oof, oof. <laughs> yeah, this this was not even close, was it?
0: No, it wasn't. The Islanders had something to prove coming into the playoffs. They were coming in hot. They were ready to go. And they showed it. They proved it. Especially at Nassau Coliseum. Man, oh man, that was probably one of the most fun places I've watched a game on TV. The fans yeah, were rocking.
1: You have to give all the credits to the Islanders and I'll I'll talk more about them later, but There's no reason not to think this team is going far in the playoffs just based on the way they play, the goaltending they're getting from Leonard. And really, they don't make many mistakes. They don't take many penalties. And they have guys up and down the lineup that can score. Yeah, they do. doesn't matter. Basically, that's how they beat the Penguins. It was the perfect match for them. You've got a highly offensive team that is not great in their own end. And a goalie, Matt Murray, who can be spectacular, can be average at times. He played well. But too many mistakes by Pittsburgh, too many penalties. And the Islanders, just it was just like a very slow dagger,
0: kind of. <laughs> Boy, uh, we're going to see some changes from Pittsburgh. We are <laughs> certainly yeah. going to see that.
1: We talk about it every year. Like, when, when are they going to just... Fall off. Trade one of the big guys,
0: and I think this maybe is maybe it'll be this
1: this off season.
0: In my opinion, I don't see one of either Kessel or Malkin staying long term. I think Kessel may be gone.
1: Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. The problem with with Kessel versus Malkin is Malkin's trade value is astronomically higher than Phil Kessel. right? Yeah, it certainly is. So, from an asset standpoint, in terms of what you get back, it may make more sense to trade Malkin, and that might be really hard for them to do. But I, I just they they have hardly any cap space available. They're in need of draft picks, young players. They've done a good job of developing young players when they've had draft picks, but they just they they seem to trade them away a lot for players in the playoffs and i believe that they can rebuild and i believe jim rutherford can but this is a big challenge for him because really he's been just managing a contender since he got there
0: well it depends on what jim rutherford thinks he can do does he think that with this group i can still make the playoffs and with this group we can still win or in the direction you and I are thinking they're going where yes this team is finally starting to go on the downturn and if they want to get back into the playoffs and actually make some noise and not just get swept every year they need to make some changes
1: yeah yeah I agree and And it it may uh, mean missing
0: the playoffs for a year or two for them but if they want to get that's not the end of the
1: world you won Stanley Cups a lot of Stanley Cups and you're one of the most prestigious franchises in the league Teams go through rebuilds. It happens. The Detroit Red Wings made this playoffs for 25 straight seasons and
0: are now in the midst of a rebuild. Like, it happens. It's part of the game. Or or look at, to switch sports for just a quick second, look at the New England Patriots. Yes, I know they, they made the playoffs for ages, but when the team wasn't winning, they made changes. to. They still had their basic core of Tom Brady and uh, what's it guy Gronkowski. They still have that core, but when the uh, core, when the rest of the players around the core started to age out or retire or leave via free agency, they brought in players, younger, better players, to replace it, to still to have that support around the core. Because you can have that core of Malkin and Crosby for as long as you want, but if you don't have anyone else around that core to make it go, the Benguins aren't, aren't going anywhere.
1: Right, right. So that that's that's the challenge. And they've already committed long-term dollars to pretty much everyone on the team. Uh, I do want to give them props on an acquisition they made that's kind of little talked about. You remember Daniel Sprong, when he came up, he was like a hot prospect. Everybody was talking about him as a potential guy that the Penguins would have in the future. Oh, yeah, I well, remember that. He, he has had his ups and downs in junior And in the AHL, and they traded him for a guy named Marcus Pedersen. And let me tell you, this Marcus Pedersen guy is very impressive. Just a really solid all-around defenseman. And I don't imagine they'll move him, but I guarantee you they will get calls on him because he's just really solid. He doesn't make mistakes. He played every game for the Penguins this year.
0: All right, let's wrap things up now. We're going to look at round two quickly. Let's make some quick predictions. So, Colorado versus San Jose. And keep in mind this playoffs is wide open. So, you and I could be right on everyone or we could be wrong on everyone. It's just as likely either way. Right. So, between the Avalanche and the Sharks, who are you th- who are you thinking? <sighs> I think this is going to be a great series between these two. It goes it starts tonight at the Shark Tank. I think I got to give the edge to the Colorado Avalanche, but not saying that San Jose can't win this series because they certainly can. You and I talked about the depth of San Jose. If the depth continues to play the way they did against Vegas, then San Jose's got a real good shot this series. But with the way Colorado's playing and the high they're coming off of, taking out Calgary and the way their top players are going, I think Colorado could squeak out a series win against the Sharks here?
1: I am going to take the Sharks, although I will admit I was very tempted to take the Avs, but like you mentioned, so much depth on San Jose. If there was any year that it was their year, it's this year. They are absolutely stacked. They just need Barton Jones to be good consistently, and I think they can win this series. If that doesn't happen, Colorado's winning this series. So this was a really tough one to call for me, but I'm going to stick with San Jose. I stuck with them in round one despite that huge deficit that they built early on in the series, so I'll take the Sharks.
0: All right, so you and I are differing on that one, but you and I both agree that this series, that series could go either way. The Sharks, you and I talked at the start of the year how this was the year where they wanted to go in. Of course, they made a big splash in getting Eric Carlson, to support Brett Burns, and things finally seem to be working out there. We'll see how it goes. Let's move on to the next series. This one is going to be an interesting one. Dallas and St. Louis of course, last night, the Blues and Stars, of the two games that were going on last night, that was the one that I paid more attention to, and that was quite the game. Of course, St. Louis is already up one nothing, but I think this is a series that can certainly go the distance.
1: It could. Uh, I feel very strongly about the Blues, though. I'm taking the blues in this series yeah so am i this was not this was not a difficult decision for me you know
0: no it wasn't a difficult decision for me either i think as as much as ben bishop has been solid for the Blues, sorry the stars i think bennington's been better for the blues and the blues just are on a hot streak right now Mm -hmm. everything's going right for them
1: they, they got hot at the right time and they are just rolling
0: all right let's move over to the east blue jackets and bruins so oh. this one is an interesting one. I'm sure your Interleaf fan is thinking, go, go Blue Jackets, just take out the Bruins.
1: It's it's partially that, but honestly not much. I, a lot of me thinks that Columbus is the team that can take out this Bruins team. Um, but at the same time, that's not to say the Bruins aren't a very good team. They clearly are. And I'm going to stick with the Blue Jackets in this series. I will say that... If they win this series, that's as far as they'll get. They're going to get knocked out in the next round.
0: Hmm. Uh, I'll go Blue Jackets as well. I think by the end of the game last night, the Blue Jackets, the rust had kind of worn off for them. They were playing mm. better. They knew how to take it to the Bruins. And the the the, the X factor for me is Bob Rosky versus Rask. Between the two of them, I got to side with Bob Roski. He's been more consistent in this playoffs. So let's-
1: Totally fair, yeah.
0: Final series here, a real interesting one for me, it's Carolina and the Islanders. I'm going to go with the Islanders as much as it pains me to do it because I'd love to see the Hurricanes continue on, but between the two teams, I think the Islanders are just the team with the more experience, the more scoring depth. Of course, you and I talked about earlier in the episode how the Hurricanes play for one another, so it wouldn't shock me at all for the Hurricanes to win this series, but my gut is just telling me to go with the Islanders here. I'm
1: going to agree with you on that one. Based on just everything you said, I just I just think this is going to be a very, very close matchup. But ultimately, I think the Islanders better defensively. Like you said, a little more scoring depth. Arguably better goaltending. It's, I think definitely if, better coaching because more experienced coaching with drops versus Brenda Moore. But... It, I mean, we could definitely be wrong on this one. This, I would not be shocked if Carolina pushes this to six or seven games, just like they did against Washington.
0: But this is also a series for me that I wouldn't mind being wrong with. Because yeah. Carolina has been the feel-good story for the season for me, and I'd love to see them carry on. us. Imagine this, a Columbus versus Carolina conference final. Who would have predicted that when the playoffs started a couple weeks ago? That, would be, that would
1: be crazy.
0: It would absolutely be <laughs> crazy, but it could happen. It really could happen. There's a real good possibility of it. These playoffs are so wide open, and that's what that's what makes this so special this year, is that really all the big heavy hitters are out. So it's anyone's cup. Any of the eight final teams have a realistic shot at winning the Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, exactly. Say what you want about your bracket being busted, but... Can you not say that this is awesome? It is unpredictable. It's fun to watch. Every series is as close as it gets. And, I mean, it's just fun to see other teams competing that we haven't seen competing in the past.
0: Oh, absolutely. All, all the traditional teams that usually go far in the playoffs are pretty much out. And it's just a matter of time about to see who's going to win the Stanley Cup. And there's also a lot of teams that are in this playoffs that either haven't won a Stanley Cup for a while or have not won a Stanley Cup at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, of course, there's San Jose, St. Louis. There's the Blue Jackets. So it's going to be interesting. I, I would love to see the Sharks win the Stanley Cup this year. It, As much as I picked Colorado, I think you and I would both like to see Joe Thornton go out with the Stanley Cup cuz I don't see him playing after this playoffs.
1: Yeah, he's definitely getting up there and and I think not just cuz he doesn't want to play, but he's just too many injuries. He's too banged up now and you know, I think really this is probably his last go at it. And the Sharks know that and the Sharks know that this they have to win this year. If they don't win this year, I can't see them winning for a little while.
0: No, neither can I. So let's wrap it up here, Mac. Uh, Any final parting words here?
1: Uh, No, just great to be back. Love doing these again, even if it's me on the phone and you back there in Ottawa. We're just really glad to be doing the show again. We missed it a lot. Uh, The playoffs have been a blast, even though, you know, my favorite team, of course, the Leafs got eliminated. I've just been enjoying them so much. It really is the best time of year to be a hockey fan. And like you, like we mentioned, we really hope that the unpredictable stuff continues. Because if it does, you can just enjoy the playoffs for what it is. And forget about your bracket. And forget about your favorite team. So,
0: Absolutely. I mean, enjoy
1: the ride. Enjoy the ride.
0: <laughs> That's Since I'm a Sens fan, they've been out for ages now. I've just been enjoying some good hockey. Of course, I'm thrilled to be back. You and I have been talking about getting the show going again for a while. It's great to be back in studio. I haven't actually done any radio things for a while because I've been out on placement doing stuff off air, but it's great to be back behind the mic. It's great to be talking hockey again, especially with all the fantastic things that have been going on in the hockey world. Mac and I will be back next week. We're going to be recapping the season that was for every other team because there was a lot that you and I would have loved to talk about this season, but we didn't get a chance to. So we're going to be back next Friday around the same time. We're going to get another episode out. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the hockey, and we'll see you next week.